Welcome to A Million Baptist Podcast, where we discuss church life, theological questions, and cultural influences. Our podcasts are available via Google, Spotify, Apple, and many other podcast platforms. We hope you subscribe and enjoy today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Roundtable, episode 21. We are glad that you are joining us. We're here with Pastor Neil, um, and we are glad that we can uh, converse together, even though he and I are sometimes on different schedules and trying to make things work. But uh, it is a blessing always, sir, to get together and talk with you. Well, thank you for allowing me to uh, be a part of this conversation. You know, you've been a part of them. It, it has just been Dylan and I for a while, though. But, I know, and uh, I enjoy y'all. Yeah, are you listening on so, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or do you watch the YouTube, do you think? Which one do you do? Uh, I guess it's the YouTube that I use the most. Yeah, sometimes that's the easiest way to engage. But uh, today we're actually going over um, a series in Rediscovering the Church. It's a, a book that was written by Colin Hansen and Jonathan Lehman, and they've addressed some pretty important topics on uh, a post-COVID sort of topic, you know, in a lot of ways when it comes to uh, what we can do as a church to encourage people who are going through some pretty unique challenges. But it's not about COVID. We're done talking about COVID. Our interests lie with the church. And so we sort of posed the question, um, have all Christ followers understood that the church, the assembly, the congregation is an essential part of God's call as Christ followers? And then when you were kind of writing the material up, you were reiterating that, and I think you and I had talked about this maybe a couple weeks ago, but we were reiterating that not seeing your folks for long periods of time really is, an, is emotional for, for the church and for people who are going here. And even, even if there are good reasons for that, it's still something everyone's trying to wade through. But we need to not kid ourselves if we were thinking everybody before COVID was taking the weekly gathering seriously. Oh, listen, back in the 50s when I was growing up. That's an era for those listening. I know, right? You may not know. So really, the church was our social culture. Mm-hmm. And so if we wanted to play on a softball team, it was a church softball team. If we we're going to be on a basketball team, if you couldn't make the cut at high school or junior high, you're on the church basketball game. Um, if you wanted to uh, be in some kind of parachurch military organization, it wouldn't be, it could be both the Boy Scouts and the RAs. I mean, just every right. part of my life was uh, This was the, the Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, which we've sort of gotten away Man, from. And I tell you, you know, it, it really is a different generation on how to look at the organization itself. For us, it was not simply an organization. It was our extended family, even though we didn't say it that way, because these were the people that we hung out with. Right. And, uh, and I thought everybody did. I was really surprised to find out that the people did not go to church. Yeah, and, and one thing Jonathan Lehman does in the intro of Rediscovering the Church that, that you sort of had pointed out is that Christians seem to really, during that time, were a lot better at attending and sort of kind of drifted off as the culture started sort of invading the lives of, of Christian homes more and more and more. And I'm not trying to allude that there was a perfect generation or that just because sins are, I think, well, more it was a exposed part of our culture. Now. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, that is what we did. And one of the um, interesting observation that Lehman uh, makes in his book is that 
he asked the question, were things really as they appeared? That's what I was getting at. That's what you're getting at. And and that's absolutely true because at my church, we would have maybe four or five or maybe 600 people coming. And I was shocked later on when I became a young adult to find out that there were like uh, 12 or 1300 members Mm -hmm. of our church. Right. And I thought, Oh, everybody came to church. That's sort of an evangelical staple is that every church has more members than they do those who attend. I think that's kind of getting into what we wanted to address today. Yeah, it is. Um, That's right. In 2011, there were 16 million Southern Baptist members. You know, we don't claim all of Christianity, but we're 16 million strong in the United States, and you and I are Southern Baptists, and so we speak from that evangelical perspective. But only 6 million showed up. You know, it's 37% of professed Christians were members. So where were the other 10 million on a regular basis? That's sort of the question posed, and I think it's a good time to pose that now, but I wanted to give you the opportunity. You're, you're a big, let's talk to the heart pastor that has really influenced me in the last eight years because I'm sort of, we even discussed this in, in staff a little, just a little bit, but we were talking about going to the mind of somebody and then going to the heart of somebody. And, and I wanted to give you a time before we walked into some details or applications to say, yes, health and medical issues are very real and need to be recognized. And I want to make sure that people who want to come but can't come for good reason right now aren't feeling like they alone are the brunt or the target of, of what we're talking about. We're, we, as always, are addressing Well, you know, you're raising that up because you do have a pastor's heart. Do you know, before I became pastor, when I was in evangelism, mm. and I talked to the fellow that I was traveling with at the time, I was doing the guitar thing and had the long hair, the 12 strings, right. same 12 string I still got. Um, and, and I told him, I said, I want to go to seminary and I want to become pastor. And you know what he told me? He said, Neil, you don't have the heart of a pastor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that really broke me at that point. And in, re- uh, in retrospect, you know what? He was exactly right. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I wanted to be a leader of a organization to accomplish a lot of things. I had no idea what it meant to know and feel the heart of your people. Yeah. So your question is apropos because we're going to be dealing with the rediscovering the church really for those who can rediscover the church. That's what I wanted you that's to kind, a, of, kind of say from your mouth. No, you that's know, right. Like you know, and I know that this is about people who, who should be coming, who can come and need to really pray um, about where their heart is in the when it comes to the obeying the commands of Christ, and that's what we're going to kind of get into. No, that's right, and that's the reason we went back to the 2011, 16 million, th- six million coming, and where are the other 10 million? And that's and 10 the, years ago. That was that was way long before with, there was a health risk. With every year of reporting, more and more and more have joined, more and more and more have been baptized. Massive goals set. Uh, for these baptisms and, and, and attendance records. A million more in 54. And yet these statistics <laughs> have actually gotten worse. That's right. Um, and what we believe and what Lehman and Hansen believe is that the pandemic has accelerated this trend of separating personal faith from corporate worship. So, so very clearly, what we're not talking, what we're talking about, is the separation of corporate worship and your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, of which there should be, uh, should not be one. What we are not addressing are people concer- with health concerns. They have real reasons, with real reasons right. to take a step back. So, That's I right. wanted to make sure that was clear. Thank you. The fallout among churchgoers is much more complex uh, than mere health concerns. Um, and you know, the setting. 
this isn't about the pandemic, but the pandemic's a tough thing to avoid when you're talking about anything right now because it has caused so many polarizing issues. The masks or no masks, the vaccinations are unvaccinated. And I mean, that's aside from all the racial strife, but we really, in all of that, unfortunately, one of the greatest problems is that people have been convinced to really pull away from the church right. instead of going towards the body of believers or towards biblical discipleship or looking like the word of God is the answer or the solution to how you're feeling and to massive bouts of anxiety that are plaguing the young generations right now, all of that stuff going on. Why, why are they pulling away? Why pull away from the church? I don't know that I have an answer to that. All I know is that what has happened in society has happened to the church, which is an indictment against what's going on in the church in many instances. I know that it was cultural and it was acceptable to come to church when I was growing up, but never heard anything about politics. Mm. Never heard anything about if you were a Democrat or if you were an independent or if you were a Republican. None of those issues mattered. Um, what we were wanting to know is, do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Are you growing in Jesus Christ? Um, unfortunately, we didn't talk a lot about the families in those days. I mean, we had Mother's Day and we had Father's Days basically to recognize who came to church. But us being a family equipping church, we're more interested what's going on at home than actually what's going on in the organization itself. Right. But but growing up, those uh, those things that divide as far as in the culture, the church had its own culture. And I think to some degree that was good. However, things have changed. They have. And... Uh, Lehman and Hansen actually in the in their book say that this probably is a really good thing for the overall health of the church. That's the most interesting part to me. So we know that God is sovereign. We know he oversees everything that's happened and he's allowed everything that's happened to happen. Um, that in that we, we there is no biblical argument other than. Um, the belief that Jesus and the Lord God has commanded us for those who are in Jesus Christ to attend weekly gatherings That's with right. the saints. That's inescapable. So it partially that right there addresses, I can be a Christian without going to church, which even this past week or so we have heard um, from wives who are praying for their unbelieving husbands I really would love for him to come to church with me. And his retort is usually, honey, I can be a Christian without going to church. In other words, church is just not my bag. Well, the unfortunate thing is there is no separation between someone who follows Christ and someone who seeks out the body of believers. And that led to one of the most interesting points of the intro in Rediscovering Church, which is resuming church attendance during a pandemic is difficult. But since the issue of spiritual individualism has been around for a long time, we may need to start understanding there is good reason for un, for discomfort, like a good <laughs> godly reason for discomfort. Maybe leaning in a bit to what is God telling you when it's difficult to come back? Does that um, make sense? Yeah, uh, I've had uh, some interesting conversations uh, being a chaplain with the Loop Company, the the, the restaurant. <laughs> I want to explain that for everyone. Okay, you were asked to be a chaplain for yes, the Loop 
restaurant. That's right. We're the owner of several The Loop restaurants in our area, in the 904, uh, has really had you in mind and several other people in mind to pray with, witness to, kind of be a Christian example to, to, to the workers. To be available if there are personal needs, tragedies, um, extenuating circumstances that are not directly related to work. That's awesome. So and I just wanted to give people some background. Staff. Right. But here's what I was trying to bring up, is that uh, the chaplains, uh, they're, they're not all Baptist. All right. And we have some charismatics. We have some Anglicans. We have uh, uh, Episcopal. I'm not sure if we have a Catholic or not. But every so often, I'll have a really good conversation about ecclesiology or the church. And, um, and I find myself coming from a Baptist point of view, being very individualistic. Mm -hmm. Did that person come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Do they have a personal faith? And yet I can talk to an evangelical uh, Anglican, mm -hmm. uh, someone who is uh, in Jacksonville, and he talks about how important the body is, the body of Christ. Now, again, we have slight differences in ecclesiology. Structure. But I have to admit, they have a theology that emphasizes the importance of the body for personal spiritual health. Sure. Whereas Baptist, I think we have neglected that. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we're Americans. We bring it, we, we pull up our boots by our own bootstraps. And I'm an individualist and I said my prayer and I'm saved, you yeah. know. And I don't have to be a part, I don't have to go down there at the church where those hypocrites are. And what we find out is while hypocr hypocrites or hypocrisy are the real reason why they are the excuse they give. Most of the time, it ends up being they just don't want any part of authority. There's an authority in church structure, and they don't want that accountability. They don't want that vulnerability. Typically, if people are avoiding church gathering, it is due to the uncomfortable nature of knowing other people and walking through See, life with other people. that's a relational way of getting to where this book is going to be going. Right, exactly. Because uh, it sounds dogmatic to say that a church that is a, a person or a believer who doesn't go to church is a, is a believer in trouble. I mean, that is their stance, and it sounds like a dogmatic it's stance. It's been made to, to really be a negative connotation. Like a, it, no, it, it is. It That's is. exactly what right. they're trying to say, is that we were... Legalistic, uh, pharisaical. It sounds all that legalistic, mm -hmm. but what they're really saying is God created us for community. And that's what we're going to learn through the next several weeks, as long as we're uh, looking at uh, the, the nature of the church. Yeah. And unfortunately, we traditionally, as Baptists, haven't looked at it in a sense that I need you. And uh, I'm amazed that you would think that you need me. Right. But we're in it together. And it shouldn't really have to go any farther than the Lord, Lord God has commanded this of his people. Um, and you need to trust that the Lord God has your good and his glory in, in his mind. Um, and with that said, some people are sort of saying online church. That's just as good. I, I, and we, and I don't want to dismay that in one sense because we do have a wonderful online following right now who tune in live and who are a part of the body of believers right. who are doing so at a time of a, of a COVID Delta variant surge 
and communicate with us and answer our texts and our phone calls and there emails. are legitimate concerns yeah. and that goes back to that pastoral question yeah how you well know? are you pastoring your church before right. and after this that's right so I, this is not um, directed to Amelia Baptist Church specifically or the, the church that we pastor this is about the sort of philosophy um, behind what it means to be a Christian and what is it how does that tie into church and is church still important does church still matter right. uh, in the life of believers so online church again I love this quote by Colin and Jonathan where they say no need to wake up early on Sunday talking about online church how this can kind of cater to our convenience and our comfort a little bit which sort of could be anti-spiritual growth he says no need to put on pants no need to search for a parking spot no need to tune out other people's crying babies which you do get in our church specifically no need to make small talk over bad coffee with the person whose politics disgust you no need to stifle a yawn through through a sermon no need to taste the bread and the wine and or grape juice, depending on what denomination you're a part of. Right. Um, but the bottom line is he goes through all of this and he says corporate worship and gatherings maybe, just maybe, are not to make us comfortable. And that does fly in the face of our big issue, cultural Christianity and consumer Christianity. And that gets past the pandemic health issue now. Right. When we start talking about our comfort level, the what's happened is that we were forced to be apart from each other. Right. And it's easier. It really is easier. Forget the pandemic. It's easier to be around people like yourself. It's easier to be around people that you agree with and that there's no strife and there's no drama and things of that nature. And, um, and, and therefore, it's harder to come back because we know it takes work. Right. You kind of have to ask yourself not whether or not it will take work, but whether or not it will be worth it. And I think the Word of God points us to it will indeed be worth it. We and, forget the benefits of sanctification. And part of this, too, is cultural influence, yeah. where the world's job, the world has one job, and that's to make you comfortable enough where you are to buy things make you comfortable enough to where you are so that you engage with the world's ideals and the world's virtues and the world's products. And being the Christian church in whatever country you're in flies in the face of that majority way of thinking, that group think, where, no, it, it, it's not. This world's not about you. It's, it's not about your comfort. Um, it's about following the commands of Christ, and faith is trust. It's trusting that what the Lord has commanded you to do will work towards your benefit, towards your spiritual maturation. Well, it, it gets to, are we thinking temporarily about what I want, when I want it, and who I'm going to spend time with, right. instead of what are the eternal benefits of being with other misfits like me? Right. You know, uh, there's some people that don't want to be around me. Well, I mean, that really hurts my feelings. Yeah. So, you know, because I'm perfect, right? Yeah. No, I mean, maybe my personality or maybe my jokes rub people the wrong way. So from their point of view, I'm, maybe I'm a misfit or maybe I'm an outcast or maybe I, I don't, you know, they don't uh, digest the way I do things very well. And maybe I feel the same way about someone else. But what we have in the church is we are all sinners and God has said, I want you to be together. You need each other. The eye cannot say to the ear, I have no need of you. Yeah. 
and the hand cannot say, oh, I wish I were like the foot. In other words, we are not to have an inferiority complex and we're not supposed to have a superiority complex. We're not supposed to think that we're better than other people or we're not supposed to compare ourselves and think we're worse than other people. What the whole body of Christ and the metaphor of us being members is we need each other. So going back to what you said earlier, it's a contradiction. Right. The God who knows world events like a pandemic that caused us to retreat is the same God who says your spiritual sanctification is better when you're with other people that are not like you. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. I think also something that made me think about was the number one reason why people avoid church gatherings or the body of believers is high anxiety because of several of these things, people interacting with people. We've seen that shoot up greatly now um, with germs and just being around people for other reasons. How it used to be, <laughs> right, right. it used to be that they just didn't want, they were just a personal person or yeah. they just, they were sort of an introvert. That word gets thrown around a lot without people really knowing exactly what it means. But there's like, you know, it's kind of, it's my life to live. I don't really need a lot or want a lot of people around. I'm not really a people person that always got kind of cast out. Now it's this whole other people. It's how, a how sensitivity. Are they, how are it's, they responding? Yes, exactly. How are they responding to coughing now or just anything sets them off and they've just been sort of reprogrammed over the last two years? Well, the greatest generation was great for a lot of different reasons. It wasn't just about World War II mm-hmm. or the Korean War. I mean, these people saw the loss of life just in infancy. Right. Um, in their families. Uh, they were rural. There were snake bites. They, they were too far away from the hospital. Mm-hmm. People died. They were around death all the time. Th- their animals would die. Yeah. If you look at the rural society. Um, and they were simply tough. And they didn't get their feelings hurt as much as what we do. We're, they weren't as sensitive. Yeah, no one's saying don't be way. kind. What we're that, saying no, no, is no, that's right. have some perspective. They weren't, I mean, it wasn't like they were cruel to each other. Right. That's not my point. The right. point is they understood human nature is flawed right. and that we can accept each other flawed. And that just because you looked at me differently or you looked past me and you didn't see me in the hall doesn't mean that I was sliding you on purpose. In that case too, what I've realized in pastoral work and any other pastor listening probably can relate to this or any ministry leader or lay leader in their church could, could figure this out. But there is such a love needed while at the same time there's challenge you have to be a person of loving people unconditionally while at the same time challenging them for growth. And that is a rough place to be if you want everybody to like you all the time. Well, you know, that is, uh, that's a struggle that I think many pastors have. I've had to work my way through that. Yeah. Uh, I used to have a very negative definition of being a pastor And that was that I was hired to help people become what they didn't want to become. Sure. 
and, uh, yeah. you know, and it's painful. And so uh, do they fire you because you're successful or do they fire you because you weren't successful right. in bringing your people from point A to point B in sanctification as a church? Yeah, as if a lot of that is under your control, which it, comes down it, to bad well, theology. That's what, that's what age and experience has exactly. taught me yeah. is that, um, you know, there are a lot of Jeremiah's mm. uh, who weeped over the decision of his people. Yeah. So we are, we are challenging those listening to really make sure that one's comfort's not the idol and, and that we're not sort of getting used to a life that is not prescribed to us through God's perfect word. Um, Christ in his word tells us, and, and really this whole thing is about that, that we do need each other, that it's not just advice, it's, it's necessity for spiritual growth and to be an obedient Christian uh, in the eyes of our Father. That's one reason the ministry of reconciliation is so important. Mm -hmm. It's because we're just bound to offend each other. And the mature thing to do is, brother, can we talk because um, I I was offended, and but I've, I've known you long enough where I would like to kind of get to know what that meant. And then you found out that it was uh, something that was said that either wasn't serious or he was just having a bad day. Right. Or if um, I've been offended, I want to, or, or if I know that I have offended someone, I want to take the initiative. Mm-hmm. And God's given us the ministry of reconciliation because we are sinners yeah. and we need each other. We are selfish sinners who need to learn to be less selfish and sanctified. And there is nothing that will do that better than people. The Holy Spirit will use people That's in right. relationships with others to remind us who we are and who God is. So that in and of itself is uncomfortable, but eternally beneficial. So, And God has always used, again, those intimate relationships to grow us in him. We use Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Would you like to read that for us, Pastor? Yeah, I'd be glad to. Uh, the interesting thing about this verse is that we think that it's about husbands, right? But it's not. It's about yeah. Christ. It looks directed at him immediately, doesn't it? I, well, I mean, he does address husbands, but it's really about Christ. It's a Christological statement and his love for the church of which we are a part. Exactly. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the word to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. You know, if this was just about salvation, then as soon as we got saved, the most holy we'll ever be is when we got saved. Just kill me now. Yeah. You know, but he doesn't. He places us in the body where we grow in our faith. And it's because God uses each other for our eternal benefit, but also for his glory. And one day we will be that spotless, blemished, uh, unblemished bride. And God, uh, Christ says, through the word, that means preaching, teaching, exhorting, Uh, reproving, encouraging all through God's word. I'll never forget um, when we had to shut down that little while last year um, during the peak or just the very beginning, really, of what we thought was going to be short lived. 
uh, when it came to COVID in 2020. That was a long six weeks. It was a long six weeks. Um, but we, we shut down for a little bit there and we were just broadcasting and we were out in front and looking at nobody, just 300 empty seats. And I mean, how painstaking that was really from our perspective of just where's our, where's our family, where's our church family. There is such an emptiness in preaching as true as it is. and, And as of the word of God, as it is to look over and see no one to preach to you really, for me, that was a pivotal moment in my life where I really understood what the calling was. I really understood that you are not just going up there and giving a Ted talk or or a speech, you are, you are preaching to a certain people, the people that God has grafted into mm-hmm. your church family that has called and brought you there. And I parallel that with a service that we had a couple of weeks ago when you preached and how everything from a commissioning, a prayer for college kids leaving, great congregational singing and worship, a beautiful ending to our first Peter series about an eternal perspective, especially in the midst of suffering, and how people had wept who had never wept before in a service. Mm-hmm. And you and I was one of those services. I mean, all of our services we love to some degree because we love our church. But that was just, when you compare something like that because the body was together, the body came, the body showed up, versus not having them and thinking that this, what God has in front of us, could only be done online, you really do see the contrast and the reason to rediscover what the local body of Christ really means. And even you and I need the local body. We could do a whole nother thing on our own nourishment as, uh, (laughs) as pastors and elders of our church and why we need the body of believers. But I was talking to someone the other day who, who said, man, he just loves being a pastor. He's been a pastor, not nearly as long as you have, probably about 25, 26 years and said, I would never leave the local body of believers for a denominational job. And I had thought of you a little bit because I remember, man, you've got to, have, you have your foot everywhere in the association and the convention. I'm like, these jobs had to appear, director of missions, things like that, great jobs. Right. But if you've been called to the local body of believers, you want everybody to be called to the local yeah, body. Yeah, we're not just called to ministry. We are called to minister to a local body. And they become part of who we are as well. I just want to end with a personal note. I remember during 2020 that I was, uh, I don't, I don't know how to, uh, analyze if I was psychologically depressed or whatever it was, but 2020, I became unmotivated in a lot of areas of my life. Um, I quit working out. I didn't have any desire to eat right. Um, I was just, my emotional tank was empty. I was, um, I was sorrowful. I remember being sorrowful. And I was talking to a couple of the elders, and uh, it was so refreshing when one of them said, Neil, your love tank is empty. Yeah. It's just empty. And you need to be with believers. So ever how you can be with more believers instead of being in isolation, you need to do that. And I, I, I was worried about me. I didn't look at it in terms of just such a simple need in my life. But what he said was rang so true to my heart that um, I just I just made it even socially distancing, even uh, or physically distancing at uh, in 2020 as much as we were trying to do. Um, God began to replenish my spirit and my soul, my motivation to want to um, with with energy just because I needed the body. 
And um, I don't I don't know if everyone is that way, but I know that I did. And I'm looking forward to this study, Rediscovering the Church. I am too. Because I believe that there are still some people, perhaps in our church, but maybe in other churches as well, that um, are still languishing right by themselves and maybe are not anxious to return and so i hope that this has been an encouraging word for them because again the power is not in just our opinions the power is in the word of god that's right where he has a plan for us and he has our best interest at heart which is more and more and more of him and the greatest thing is no matter what we're going through we don't have to go through it alone and we shouldn't go through it alone that's right Uh, i find my solace there pastor i don't know about you yeah i'm glad god's called us together you and I. Yeah, I, got, I was going to say, I'm glad there's a multiple no, group of leaders no, here. No, you know, I mean, we love our wives and we are only where we are because God uses them in our life to sanctify us. Right. But it's been an interesting sanctification process over the last seven years, but the way that we interact with each That's other. That's true. There, it which, which is another argument for multi-generational church, which we can get into another <laughs> yeah, time. We could, right? Maybe we'll end it that way. That's right. And, and so I just want to thank everybody for listening to the Amelia Baptist Roundtables. Remember, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. If you're working out, driving the car, pop us in, give us a listen, message or email us. Let us know how uh, we can help you or pray for you. We want this to be a ministry above anything else. Pastor Neil, thank you for being on today, brother. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks. We'll see you later. Bye.